0: And I really believe in a more non-medical model for people who are looking for those spiritual experiences, for people who are looking to overcome the fear of dying. It's not not a pathological process or medicalized model at all. It's something very different. Which is why, for me, bringing end-of-life doulas has been really important. And whether those are doulas or hospice chaplains, or like I say, any kind of hospice Palliative care professional has been really important because they understand.
1: Hello and welcome to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Keith Fiveson. Today we have an incredible guest who is making waves in the world of mental health through their work, through her work with plant medicine and psychedelics, as well as end of life care. Christine Caldwell is an advocate for the safe use of these medicines and the founder of the End of Life. Psychedelic Care Association. It's a nonprofit that is dedicated to educating and advocating the use of psychedelics in the context of -of end-of-life care. She's a sought-after speaker and trainer, sharing her knowledge on psychedelic care for existential and psychological distress at many conferences, including Wonderland Miami 2022 where she was last year, that's where I met her, as well as this year, 2023. So please welcome Christine Caldwell. Christine, hey. Hey,
0: Keith. Keith, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. You know, it's hard to believe that, yeah, it's been a year since we met. Um, Seems Uh like a lot longer because we've talked about this space and really sort of, it resonated for both of us. And um, I have to Uh thank you for those that don't know, Keith is on the advisory board for uh, the nonprofit end of life psychedelic care. So I thank you for that as well.
1: Oh yeah, well, it was very easy choice uh, given your background, your expertise and your knowledge in the space as well as your enthusiasm. And I know it might sound a little contrary to say enthusiasm for end of life care, Uh, With psychedelics for some, uh, but I think it's an important thing uh, to dive into, and I hope we can do that during our time together. Now you're going to be speaking this year again at the Wonderland Miami 2023 conference in Miami. That's November the 9th through the 11th. Can you share a little bit about what you're going to be talking about, and maybe you know where your thoughts are right now in terms of the space?
0: Oh yes, thanks. Yeah, I'll be moderating a panel this year, so I'm quite excited about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called Integrative Approaches to End-of-Life Psychedelic Care, and I'm really pleased to have four amazing people on the panel. That includes um, Dr. Michelle Wiener from the Miami area. Mm -hmm. She's a pain specialist, Mm -hmm. and she really understands the importance of the link between depression and pain in people Mm -hmm. towards end of life. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's Amber Keenan, she's gonna speak about bereavement Mm and psychedelics. She has a thriving practice up your way in New York City Mm -hmm. doing just that with ketamine, which reminds me, I talk about more than just plant medicines. Mm -hmm. So psilocybin, ketamine, and MDMA, but we can come back to that. Mm -hmm. Then there's Deb Cervetnik, an end of life doula who has helped hundreds of people on psilocybin journeys, people with cancer, people with terminal diagnoses, people towards end of life. Mm-hmm. and then last but not least is dawn marie steenstra she is one of the original gangsters the og uh, cannabis <laughs> nurse
1: oh great <laughs> yes great so how does this i mean i'm i'm really and i know our listeners are probably very intrigued you know how did you get involved in this area and what what is it about uh, psychedelics or you know the use of plant medicine uh mdma psilocybin ketamine and uh, other uh, uh, psychedelics that really is important uh, from your viewpoint when we start talking about end of life?
2: Yeah, I probably
0: got started unwittingly um, starting to study quantum mechanics. And mm. we've talked about that before, where a long time ago I read uh, Dancing Woo Lee Masters by Gary Zukov. And that mm-hmm. just started me on studying all things quantum mechanics. Uh, that included Greg Braden, who really expanded that into mm-hmm. Quantum mechanics and consciousness. Mm-hmm. So that when I began to look at psychedelics about three years ago, uh, it was like, oh, this makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, psychedelics are a gateway into what I consider universal consciousness.
2: Mm. So
0: it really resonated deeply with me on a personal basis. Um, along the way, I had owned uh, a 250 client home health care agency. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that started me on the path of really wanting to help older adults and adults Mm -hmm. closer to the end of life so just kind of like marrying the two and I actually threw it to the universe to say what Mm -hmm. is it you want me to do Mm -hmm. so I really gravitated towards the research so I think that was my first step into uh, understanding it and coming to really appreciate psychedelics for Mm end-of-life care Uh, as you might know uh, the research is is, it, it's still in the nascent phase, but I will tell you it's exploding now. I mean, I looked at the granddaddies, the modern granddaddies, mm-hmm. because Stan Groff looked at it back in the 50s and 60s in the form of LSD, but now you had UCLA, you mm-hmm. had Johns Hopkins and NYU all doing studies on cancer patients, showing phenomenal results. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to come back and talk about why I think that's true. For, mm-hmm. you know, for uh, many of the psilocybin studies, really, these these uh, studies showed the best, I think, outcomes.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and now, like I say, it's exploded. I, I mean, there's so mm-hmm. many uh, research organizations and even private companies looking at this field and studying psilocybin, ketamine, and MDMA,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, that it, for me it became a sort of no-brainer. hmm
1: Wow. So, you know, you've got this great background uh, working with individuals in a home health care environment area. And then we start to take a look at how does that expand itself or how does that extend itself into the area of psychedelics as a new frontier to go ahead and help individuals towards their end of life. And then you do the research, you do that deep dive and then you really start to see the need in terms of individuals who can go ahead and provide that kind of care now with plant medicine and psychedelics. But I'm still wondering, like, what, how does it work in the context of end of life? You know, Why is it important for individuals to perhaps look at psychedelics as one of their uh, treatment modalities uh, as they start to take a look at the end of life care?
0: Yeah, great question. I mean, you reminded me when you said that I formed the nonprofit to reduce mm-hmm. existential and psychological distress,
2: or mm. basically
0: around the fear of dying. Mm. And that is really where I started. Mm-hmm. However, as I have talked to many, many, many end of life doulas, mm-hmm. social hospice workers, chaplains who literally have helped hundreds of people on mostly psilocybin journeys. Mm-hmm. But then I learned one, one uses 5-MeO-DMT when a client is closer to death. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, I really came to understand it's not just about reducing anxiety and depression. It's about helping people see the awe and wonder in what I'll call the next place,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is really a book by Warren Hansen. And it's a beautiful little book that mm-hmm. says, what if we were to shift the narrative around where, where we transition to? Not a place to be afraid of, but a place to really look forward to. And I came to realize that's the power of psychedelics. Now, some of the research has actually supported that. We know that those that experience mystical experiences, that's correlated with, I'll call Mm -hmm. it the therapeutic outcomes.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But then there's also... um, Uh, Dr. Ira Bayak is a well-known palliative care physician and um, Mm -hmm. psychedelics researcher. And he said something that really resonated with me as well. He says psychedelics are an experiential therapy. It's Mm -hmm. not a passive therapy, right? They bring you into relationship with your own mortality. Mm
2: -hmm. And it
0: is the memory of the experience that is the anxiolytic, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: not the anti-anxiety medicine you know, mm-hmm. like we're used to. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that felt sense in your body and that memory of that experience mm-hmm. of the unknown. If you experience universal consciousness, you experience that connectedness mm-hmm. with everything. That is what you hold on to. Mm-hmm. That is what you embody and it's sustained. If I go back to the research. Uh, one of the more uh, phenomenal studies to come out just recently is from Sunstone Therapies um, in Rockville, Maryland, and <clears throat> they had really great results at their primary end point, but then they went back and looked at the participants 18 months later,
2: mm-hmm.
0: fully 64% of them were still uh, reporting significant reductions in depression, 64%,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then 57% of those people were in remission
2: mm-hmm.
0: 18 months after a single dose of psilocybin mm-hmm. with therapy.
1: Wow. So, you know, what sort of came up for me imaging wise is this whole opportunity to kind of give people uh, a view, if you will, as you say, into the next place, uh, which is sort of this ineffable, you know, a place of, of, of everything and nothing and, you know, something that can't really totally be described, but is really a sense, a felt sense memory that you're saying, and they bring that back with them. And instead of sort of numbing the anxiety with some sort of pill or SSRI, what you're really saying is that there's a change in the overall view of that individual, having that sense memory that they really are changed. Is is that right? Is that?
0: Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not like you can't, you don't, have to do work afterwards, mm-hmm. right? We always talk about the need for integration. Mm-hmm. And you have to sit with it, come back and find ways to bring that felt sense back.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, But it's doable. I mean, I, I had a phenomenal experience with ketamine, actually, mm-hmm. that speaks to that kind of an experience. Mm-hmm. And the felt sense of being one with the universe of being complete being loved mm-hmm. is something that I can, in fact, when I'm quiet, sit quietly, do some of those mindfulness practices that, you you know, you would teach mm-hmm. anybody to do, you can bring it back.
1: Mm-hmm. So what I hear you saying is that once you have that sense, that felt sense, that it really is imbued, it really is, you know, enlivened in the individual, if you will, that, you know, they can go ahead and say, oh, uh... I I, I feel, I see, I am not as afraid as I was before about dying because I know that I'm going to this next place and that's not a bad place. I don't have to worry. Is that?
0: I don't don't have to worry, yeah. No, it's it's (laughs) one filled with awe and wonder. But I also want you to remind me, I want to speak to the converse of that.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, somatic processing is something that people really are beginning to understand, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's the converse of that in the sense that people on their journeys and this is mostly coming out of the psilocybin research are also dealing with their cancer, Mm. for example, Mm -hmm. in ways to remove it from their body. And they do that. The stories come out in any number of ways. Mm -hmm. Some people confront their cancer in their body Mm -hmm. and help it to dissipate. Some people have a conversation with their Mm -hmm. cancer. Mm Some people come to terms, I had an amazing conversation with the gentleman who was the first Canadian from the Health Canada uh, uh, Exemption 56 program to Mm -hmm. be approved for psilocybin. He spoke about talking to his cancer and realizing the cancer has a consciousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the cancer, when he asked it, why are you here? Mm. Cancer said to him, do you think I wanna be here? So it carried its own consciousness, and he came to realize that this was meant for, mm-hmm. this was meant to happen for him to teach mm-hmm. him a lesson.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I'm, I can't really remember, recall what those lessons might have been, but the point is, is that people deal with their cancer in a somatic processing way.
1: Mm, I totally agree with that. As you well know, I'm a two-time cancer survivor. And one of the things that uh, the doctor said to me, uh, and I worked with an integrative doctor, Dr. Keith Block out in Evanston, Illinois. And one of the things he said to me, I, I'll i never forget it, is, uh, you know, it's, it's the body looking for dis-ease and the white blood cells are not you know, they're 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 sort of rampant, out of control, white blood cells looking for the dis-ease, and they don't realize that they themselves are creating the dis-ease. And what you need to do is start to get in touch with those to the mindfulness point, right? You there are things that pay rent, things that don't pay rent, things that destroy the house. So he had me envision a, a Pac Man. You know, the with the with the, the good Pac Man eating the bad Pac Man, you know, so there was that whole thing that I thought was very, very, uh, you know, poignant. And 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 then, of course, you know, really trusting the process that, <clears throat> you know, this is there to go ahead and teach you something I think is very important. And it really, uh, for a large part of my life, it changed the way I looked at things in terms of food, in terms of exercise, all the basics. And that's, you know, part of my, uh, part of my self-prescription if you will but i'm wondering as you start to take a look at psychedelics you're kind of on the edge of things right so as we start to take a look at the misconceptions what are some of the misconceptions that you're dealing with or you need to deal with as as you look at the end of life psychedelic care um, platform and you look at ways of you know bringing this message and bring you know hope to a lot of folks
0: yeah, I think a couple of things come to mind, um, and this may be controversial, but um, all the research, you know, is is been done on a medicalized model, and with the use of of uh, psychedelic-assisted psychotherapists, with psychotherapy being the the key word there. And I really believe in a more non-medical model for mm-hmm. people who are looking for those spiritual experiences, for people who are looking to overcome the fear of dying. It's not it's not a pathological Mm -hmm. type of process or medicalized model at all. It's something very different, Mm -hmm. which is why for me bringing end-of-life doulas into what I'll call an expanded care team has -hmm. been really important. And whether those are doulas or hospice chaplains, or like I say, any kind of hospice or palliative care professional has been really important because they understand the process of death and dying and they understand the fear and they hold space for just about anything so bringing them onto a care team and the care team though is important um, having the medical professionals do that screening and assessment very key having a, a psychotherapist there um, I, I would say on an as needed mm-hmm. basis is very important as well but it depends on what that individual wants
2: mm-hmm.
0: so it's shifting the idea that only a medicalized model is appropriate. Mm. And then I think on the whole other side from the uh, consumer or individual standpoint and their families, you know, let's not exclude families, is the fear of psychedelics. Mm -hmm. And I see that uh, now that I've got my Facebook page, you Mm -hmm. know, up and running, the comments that come through and probably one of the, the biggest issues right or wrong, are the people who quote religious texts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and pretty much intimate that psychedelics are evil. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it reminds me of the chaplains that I've spoken with who um, at end of life, whether it's with psychedelics or not, are dealing with those narratives that, you know, we've been taught since childhood.
2: Mm -hmm. And
0: so that's a big barrier for the individual on the individual side to Mm -hmm. overcome Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: then i think i think also in in terms of the i'll call it the establishment the medical establishment Mm -hmm. it's really understanding that psychedelics are a novel treatment kind of alluded to that when you said it's active it's not passive it's Mm -hmm. not blunting right we're not it's not, it's, it's not treating a disease.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's opening us up to new, new behavior patterns, new thought patterns, of course, the connectedness to the universe.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. And there is that neurogenesis, there is that neuroplasticity in the brain. And for individuals, you know, I th- I think what you've touched on is this, uh, you know, uh, uh self-empowerment, you know, being empowered to, I, I, you know, I often say I'm the CEO of my health, you know, and I'm also the CEO of my death. You know, I'd like to be in charge of my death. I'd like to be the individual that, you know, has a good death that that's, that, that means to me not being uh, incubated, not being in the hospital, not being, you know, not having to have the medical uh, establishment. You know take over and uh, basically try to keep me alive if I need to and what I really hear uh, or if they think I need to rather you know but what I really hear from you is I hear this you know I hear this empowerment that really comes from you know looking at these psychedelics looking at these entheogens these plant medicines as sacraments as ways of you know looking at connecting with the ineffable and looking at taking back your own power and that's you know that's amazing that's amazing stuff
2: it, it
0: is and you know it's interesting you use the word control which is you know so typical of we as humans mm-hmm. we want to control everything uh and that's really important in the sense of how you framed it mm-hmm. you know we want to make sure we we have the death that we want however as you well know Mm-hmm. there's the philosophy of surrendering so you know we as humans can do so much and right. then ultimately we have to surrender to the process
1: right right, right. You, you can't go kicking and streaming uh into death if you want a good death because then you know there's a this whole process of uh, regret right you know there's right. a lot of a lot of things that you can't control as as i often say you uh you, you can't you know there are th- there are things with people that you you didn't cause, you can't cure, you can't control, and there's a lot around death that really is like that, isn't it? Right,
0: right. I mean, there's so many people trying to take that control away from you, your mm-hmm. family, right, your medical providers, mm-hmm. your friends who don't want you to go. Uh, And and so that's also why I think it's important in this process, in these journeys, Mm -hmm. that families are included. Now, they could be included just from an educational standpoint to know how to be your support network.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But... Personally, I think they should also undergo the journeys. There is that one um, study out of, again, Sunstone Therapies is doing some great work with MDMA.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And MDMA, as you know, is a heart opener, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, self-compassion as well as other other compassion. And they're studying couples. So whether it's an individual with cancer and their spouse, their adult child, a friend, whomever, they both are undergoing the in this case, MDMA sessions Mm -hmm. and, Mm. and, uh, psychotherapy. So that shows great promise. Wow. Wow. It's it's great promise.
1: Mm -hmm. So talk about, you know, talk about being able to bring, um, you know, to resolve and to, you know, put to bed a lot of differences and a lot of misunderstandings. I think that's, I think that's part of, um, you know, everyone's fear that somehow they'll, you know, die with things unresolved, you know, right.
0: Right. And and I want to come back to something because I've used the term end of life doulas and I'm not sure your, your listeners may Mm -hmm. be totally familiar with what they do because a lot of times, you know, people, people know what a birth doula does, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily what an end of life doula does. And if they do, they typically associate it with supporting an individual during their transition. However, end of life doula can do so much more. They are that patient advocate, Mm -hmm. uh, client advocate. Mm -hmm. Uh, They help with legacy planning. They help to ensure that that individual dies the way they wish. Mm -hmm. But they also do grief support and they also support the family and help the family understand what what is going to happen. Most Mm -hmm. people also don't understand what death and dying actually looks like and they are afraid. But so they explain that, and they help the family members to let go.
1: So it sounds to me like really uh, from a chaplaincy viewpoint, they're beyond the chaplaincy role. I mean, you know, if somebody is obviously uh, very religious and they're following their plan, there's also a rise of, you know, psychedelic chaplaincy. Uh, But the end-of-life doulas are really playing a multiple role in terms of working with or sitting with and helping to sort out, you know, all of the concerns and all the issues. Let me ask you. Uh, you know, a lot of folks might wonder whether or not, you know, psychedelics are safe and responsible. I'm wondering if you're looking at it from the viewpoint of, you know, uh, an end of life doula. How do you ensure that safety and responsibility in that in that particular case?
0: Yeah. First of all, let's let's be cognizant of the fact that there are people who are just diagnosed. Mm -hmm. There are people um, somewhere in between actually actively in the process of dying. And so it's different all along that continuum. And you remind me somebody in active chemotherapy may. Well, they're not going to do a, a psilocybin journey, for example, in the middle of chemotherapy. But it was interesting, again, the gentleman who was that first Canadian who went, mm-hmm. who's actually now undergone seven psilocybin journeys, mm-hmm. 85 chemo sessions.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He says, wow. if he can time it, he likes to have his psilocybin journey two to three days before his chemo wow. session. Mm-hmm. It allows him to go into that awful experience in a better frame of mind mm-hmm. it helps him deal with it it helps him with chemo brain as well mm. so 80,
1: so he had 85 chemotherapy sessions
0: yes oh my God. 8 8 years living with a stage 4 uh, pancreatic stage cancer four. diagnosis yeah. yeah um so but back to your original question so what's really really important for any anybody who undergoes or contemplating undergoing a psychedelic journey is to make sure your care providers
2: mm-hmm.
0: are, are in agreement, mm-hmm. or at least in the sense of they have reviewed your health profile. Now we know that all of these psychedelics have high safety profiles.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: ketamine, for example, is on the list of um, the World Health Organization's essential medicines, mm-hmm. very safe, used in you know, surgery and anesthesiology. Mm-hmm frequently especially in pediatrics Mm
2: -hmm.
0: um psilocybin too through all the research that's been done very high safety profile so these these medicines are safe Mm -hmm. when used safely and in a supportive environment but you need to have that screening and assessment up front to decide the best course of action and so the the end of life doula that i referenced in the very beginning because i never knew that well it's not that i didn't know but i'd never heard anybody talk specifically about using 5-MeO-DMT.
2: Oh, yeah. So Mm -hmm.
0: that individual, again, she's helped hundreds of people on Mm -hmm. their psychedelic journeys, Mm -hmm. all the way from initial diagnosis Mm -hmm. to being quite close to end of life, like within two weeks. Mm -hmm. So she always works with their medical providers and gets clearance. She works with, you know... um, most of us know ben malcolm the spirit pharmacist Mm -hmm. so works closely with him to do a consultation on drug interactions very key Mm -hmm. so all of that look at the
1: contraindications right of right yes not
0: not not just Mm -hmm. drugs but also then of health contraindications and taking that uh taking that into account
1: Right. So there. So the point being is that you put together the team, you put together an, a pre-assessment, you look at what some of the contraindications are based on the current medical profile, uh, the biopsychosocial profile of the individual, and then you from the team viewpoint you go ahead and make a decision as to the safety and the efficacy the opportunity for that individual to have that experience and I will tell you uh, you had mentioned this uh, gentleman uh with the uh, 85 um you know chemo sessions and I uh, that's really unbelievable I I've undergone chemo and it's not a it's not an easy process at all so the fact that he has that kind of insight or that kind of hindsight given the experiences that he's had and he's still okay he's still alive
0: he is definitely still alive
1: yes
2: Mm
0: -hmm. um he's offered to come on and Mm -hmm. speak to both uh the students who are in the core course program that i'm running right now Mm -hmm. as well as um the let's say the the consumer side the individual side Mm -hmm. so i'm really excited to have him Mm -hmm. Um, speak in front of both those mm. audiences.
1: That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, given your uh, research and your uh, your view into this particular field, I'm just wondering, uh, you know, what kind of research is being done on psychedelics and what are some of the promising findings that you've seen in terms of, we talked about the mystical experience, you know, questionnaire. Uh, we've talked about uh, this individual being able to go through you know, eighty-five sessions, but are there others uh, that come up to your, you know, uh, uh, right now, or that you can maybe give us some insight on?
0: Well, I, I, I look at both the research and I look at real-world applications, uh, and and because I, you know, it's not just the research, right? But I would say, um, uh, I think I reference this up front. The the research is now exploding after the initial set of. Of uh, studies that came out around 2012-2016, so um, at the risk of forgetting <laughs> some of them, um, uh, there there's there's a joint work between UCLA and UCSF now. Interesting to me, they're they're combining psilocybin, but the control is going to be ketamine and i think that's driven largely by the fact that the placebo has always been a problem right um people sometimes break blind very 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 difficult to hide whether or not you're having a psilocybin journey very very difficult sometimes to hide from the therapist the facilitator that's sitting there with you so it'll be interesting to see what happens with with that um, particular study. Um but then there's also there was work done out of um uh Huntsman mm-hmm. Cancer Institute mm-hmm. that showed again the, the very similar kinds of results of and I'm forgetting exactly but you know it's it's generally speaking 70 to 80% of the individuals uh report significant reductions in both anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. So there's that um There's also MD Anderson is going to be conducting a study on women with gynecological cancer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dana Farber out of the Boston area is going to be conducting another study. Mm -hmm. Science as a startup is also looking at psilocybin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they've also shifted, you know, all of those earlier studies looked at anxiety and depression. So some mm-hmm. of them are shifting into let's call it existential distress and mm-hmm. using different scales and surveys to measure that mm-hmm. or looking at demoralization as a better sort of indicator mm-hmm. as to what's happening with these individuals, um, with a terminal diagnosis. So that's kind of, that's good in a way too. Um, John that represents that, John Hopkins
1: is a, John Hopkins is a big one as well right
0: Well Johns Johns Hopkins John's yes Hopkins. um uh they're doing a study mm-hmm. on uh Um, mild cognitive impairment and alzheimer's Mm
2: -hmm. so
0: stay tuned for that one so it's kind of expanded right beyond sort of just what i said anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. because then you also have people like michael j fox
2: Mm -hmm.
0: um granting two million dollars to yale university to look at anxiety in Parkinson's patients. Mm-hmm. Or you have another study by Pharma who's looking at reducing dyskinesia. So that's the halting, jerking movements mm-hmm. that a Parkinson's patient can suffer because of levodopa. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then you got Cedar sinai out of L.A. also uh, using ketamine, uh, looking at um, anxiety in pancreatic cancer patients. Mm-hmm. So and then, like I said, uh, Sunstone therapies, researching mdma in couples Mm -hmm. and yes like i say at the risk of forgetting somebody i know uh, university of nebraska i don't want to forget dr Mm -hmm. lou lucas i mean Mm -hmm. it 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 really is phenomenal what's happening now so that's on the research side but if you look at real world applications and you look at you know i i mentioned dr michelle wiener up front as being on the panel at wonderland Mm -hmm. pain specialist who i said understands the linkage between depression and pain fully 60% of people with pain also suffer depression. Mm. She runs clinics with not just looking at ketamine to help with pain and Mm -hmm. um, then naturally depression, but bringing in psychotherapy and other holistic practices, Mm -hmm. you know, to help with that as well. Phenomenal success there. You've got in Canada, Roots to Thrive with Dr. Pam Crisco and the team there who, do receive if i could say it that way the patients approved through health canada Mm -hmm. really great work in group Mm -hmm. therapy for people um, towards end of life and then across the board you know i don't i I don't want to diminish what's being done by the underground facilitators Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the you know to listen to those facilitators talk about the benefits to their clients is phenomenal and should not go unnoticed and i think part of that reminds me too like i say it might be controversial but we have to acknowledge it's happening and this is why education is always also very important to me mm-hmm. you know educating on the client side and educating right. on the facilitator side
1: right well you've uh, you've certainly mentioned and highlighted some of the research studies that you're familiar with and i know there's like 500 research programs going on right now throughout the country and you can Go ahead and you know go on uh, the uh, research.gov website. I, uh, there is a website for that. What is
0: it? It's clinicaltrials.gov
1: clinicaltrials.gov you, right yes
0: and you put in the keywords you can put in demoralization you can put in cancer you put in psilocybin right. ketamine whatever whatever it is you want you want to search for right. yes
1: and then we've got over 85,000 research papers you know uh that are peer reviewed research papers so it's it's really uh quite amazing what's happening and certainly that's our Um, You know, that's our mission to go ahead and help educate people. But I'm still aware of, you know, you mentioned the underground and, you know, some of the things that are happening uh, there. Um, You know, I'm wondering, as we start to try to bring this above ground in a number of areas, certainly as a vet, I'm looking at the VHA, I'm looking at ways of, you know, bringing it to more vets here in the USA, you know, what role can healthcare providers play in advocating for psychedelics and mental health treatment? I'm just wondering if there's an opportunity here to how to, you know, where do you see the pathway to kind of bring this above ground and to go ahead and get more acceptance so, you know, you don't get those kind of posts on your Facebook page?
0: <laughs> well you, you know from a from a, a an establishment perspective education is key and edu- educating themselves now is is important uh for example I had the great opportunity to speak to the psychiatry department mm-hmm. um out of the MD Anderson Cancer Institute mm-hmm. so it was very interesting I would say to a person they what they knew about psychedelics could fit in a thimble mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. I don't nobody's mm-hmm. listening, but right. pretty much and they, but they really, really enjoyed learning about it. Right. So that's the first step to learn about mm-hmm. it. I know just for example, it's not just Tony Bossis, but you know, Tony Bossis out of NYU, one of the preeminent psychedelic researchers mm-hmm. does a lot of collaboration and education with, um, hospice, uh, palliative care and hospice care mm-hmm. associations. And, and institutions so, so that's key so you know that's that's happening um and then i guess the other aspect of that is you know looking at oregon um mm-hmm. unfortunately not looking at california but you know looking at 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 oregon and what they're doing and and i've started to make some inroads there about talking to individuals about psilocybin sessions for mm-hmm. people towards end of life and mm-hmm. my my goal like, like you know, my bringing goal is-
1: people bringing people there for that kind of a
2: yes. section. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of
0: my goals for 2024 is to mm-hmm. uh, host a retreat. And mm-hmm. now we have to conform to Oregon's regulatory um, right. uh, system. But n- nonetheless, it's it's eminently doable. And that's, of course, that's for the individuals and their families.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: it's, it's it's going where it's possible. It's also talking about ketamine, talking about the use of at home ketamine, especially for people who are unable to go to a clinic or unwilling to go to a clinic or it's not accessible to them and making that a safe um, and supportive journey as well. So mm-hmm. there there's things that we can do now
2: mm-hmm.
0: as opposed to like we talk about with the veterans sending mm-hmm. them overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, keeping right. them here and and bringing the psychedelics to them.
1: That uh, that would be wonderful and it, and it sounds like the work you're doing is very exciting and holds a lot of promise an opportunity for people that might be looking at end of life options uh you're really providing that i would imagine that you know you're uh, you know you're just starting up and you're dealing with challenges you know what kind of challenges do you face uh, you know whether or not uh it's in you know bringing people together uh bringing the word out educating people getting the you know uh, and how do you deal with those and you know what 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 uh you know what does that look like
2: hmm. mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm.
0: been easier for me to reach what i'll call professionals mm-hmm. so whether that is um, already trained psychedelic facilitators who wants to learn about end-of-life issues mm-hmm. or it's um, an end-of-life doula who wants to learn about psychedelic care
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and then um, some physicians for example uh, s- similarly wanting to learn about psychedelics. So that's been fairly straightforward. It's mm-hmm. reaching the consumer and the individual where I could really use some help because for the most part, I can't go through the medical establishments. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they're, they're, uh, I, I ask all the time, you know, can I speak with, um, a client group or a patient group mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't really get good feedback so it's reaching the consumer where i could use the most help social media has provided mm. some inroads there but it's not sufficient
1: mm-hmm. right i i would imagine and we're still you know very much at the uh nascent point at the beginning point uh mdma is not legal yet uh we hope that it will be next year and you know we're starting to see some states that are legalizing you know plant medicine as a you know in a somewhat controlled area but uh, it's still unsure as to how that's going to roll out you know throughout the united states we still don't know and uh, i you know yet there are a lot of people that are really uh, concerned uh, now the the panel that you're doing what what day is that at the wonderland uh, miami conference you, you know what
0: they haven't told me yet
1: Ah, okay, all right, but you'll be there, and it sounds like a very exciting panel. And do you have a, a name for the panel yet?
0: Yes, it is integrative approaches to um, psychedelic care for end of life,
1: mm-hmm. or
0: maybe it's integrative approaches for end of life psychedelic care.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the exciting thing is, I mean, you've you've just started this nonprofit, this organization, and you're expanding. I'm very excited to be on the Board of Advisors and I know there's you're having a meeting coming up uh, later today. I'm just wondering, um, you know, for people uh, who might want to get involved in your work, uh, get involved in advocating uh, for the safe use of psychedelics and end of life care. How would they find out more about you and how would they find out more about the organization?
0: Well, they're definitely welcome to uh, email me at Christine and that's with the CH at eolpc.org you're welcome to um, come to the visit the website at eolpc.org Obviously, they're more, than, uh, I'm, they're more than welcome to uh, donate,
2: mm-hmm. because
0: I'm, in, I'm right now at the stage where um, the response has been o- overwhelming for the educational mm-hmm. programs, mm-hmm. and my next step is to build what I'm calling a connector directory,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: what that is going to do is, is on a proactive basis, so it won't be a passive directory, to match clients with mm-hmm. professionals that mm-hmm. I know are, are trained in both psychedelic care and end-of-life care.
1: Wonderful. Wonderful. So that's the End of Life Psychedelic Care uh, Association, eolpc.org. And right. and uh, obviously get a hold of you directly, uh, Christine Caldwell at EOE. Uh, e, uh, what was the email ad- again? No,
0: d- not my last name, just Christine, uh, just Christine. at eolpc.org.
1: Okay. I got to get that straight, Christine. Thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, uh, well, you know, it's so always so nice to talk to you and, and really uh, such a pleasure to have you here to share your wisdom and to share your enthusiasm. Uh, thank you very much for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience podcast and for, you know, being a speaker and running this panel down at the Miami Conference uh, for Wonderland. Uh, it's a real pleasure.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. It was a pleasure to be here as well.
1: Thank you for tuning in to the Mindfulness Experience podcast. We hope you enjoyed this insightful conversation with Christine Caldwell. Remember that as an official partner for the Wonderland 2023 conference, we can offer you a 20% discount on the registration code, on the registration with the code Mindfulness20. Learn more about the conference at wonderlandconference.com. And as always, stay curious and keep practicing mindfulness.